Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We have been uh, talking through a series of conversations this month that we have titled, God is fill in the blank. And we've been creeping through a couple of conversations to where we were being intentional about how we filled in that blank. Because how we fill in that blank has a direct impact on how we live this life. And if we are not intentional about filling in the blank, the blank will be filled in for us. Erroneously, incorrectly, And sometimes, to our detriment, we leave it blank. And we end up with no power. We end up with no perspective. And we end up defeated over and over and over again because we don't know who the God is that we proclaim that we serve. And so that's why we're having this conversation, and we've been using a particular scripture as the anchor for the series overall, and that's Ephesians 2 and 10. And it reads, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. What's important that you need to pull out and place on your heart from that scripture is that you're his masterpiece. A masterpiece is an artist's greatest work. Artists don't have masterpieces. They have a masterpiece. It's the piece that they're known for. It's the one that they get the most acclaim for. And the apostle Paul is trying to get us to recognize that we are God's best work. The greatest thing that God created out of all the things he created was you. Now, if you let that settle into your heart, it'll be much harder for the devil to tell you otherwise. It'd be much more difficult for self-doubt to creep in. It'd be much more difficult for low self-esteem to be your master. If you understood that you and your imperfect self was actually a masterpiece of the great I am. Sometimes when we're on this journey with the Lord, we just... We don't really take the time to see all that he's done. A lot of us were on a journey and all we can see is what we're striving to become that we don't allow ourselves to see what God has already made us. I think it's healthy and beneficial for you and I to not forget to look at how far the Lord has already brought us. Theologian C.S. Lewis says it like this. Isn't it funny how day 
by day, nothing changes. But when we look back, everything is different. We get so caught up in day-to-day -day life. And sometimes we question, is the Lord with us? Is, it, it, am I getting any closer, any closer to the Lord? Have I made any strides in my journey? And you won't see it if you don't look back. You won't see it if you don't understand that you're actually a masterpiece. Know if the world might tell you something different, or maybe your family told you something different. Maybe your maybe your significant other told you something different. But what you should never forget is that we are God's masterpiece. It goes on to say He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You're not the same. That's why the first part of our conversation was we talked about that God is transformational. He's not trying to make you better. He's trying to make you a new. He's trying to transform you into something that you're not already. And then in part two, we talked about the fact that God is expansional and that he is the God that will take you and stretch you. Fred was up here talking about that. Like, I just come up here and sing. I'm cool with that. The problem is God has more and God will expand you whether you like it or not, <laughs> because God is expansional. And so we're going to move into part three of this conversation on today. And much like Star Wars, episode three served as a prequel to its predecessors. I believe that this conversation, part three of God is filling the blank, will do much the same. And I want to warn you because I, I, I was uh, paying attention to service from prayer to worship to now, and you don't realize it. They don't realize it, but they were definitely tapping into what the Lord has to say. I heard Marvin talking about some things that are in this message. I heard, I heard Tierra talking about some things that were in this message. And so if that's happening, I think the Lord wants you to really pay attention today because we didn't have any pre-conversations about linking these things up. And so I just want to give that as a precursor as we go to Isaiah 61 and 1. My verse for today, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. I'm going to say the B clause of that again. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. And so today's message is called God is liberational. God is liberational. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We welcome you. We're so glad to know you. Help us to know you in this, this brand new way as the liberator of our souls. Father, let this word seep into our heart so deep that nothing will ever be able to take it away and let our lives be markedly different as a result. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
legend has it that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. throughout his travels throughout the country, he always had three books with him wherever he went. The Bible, the United States Constitution, and a book called Jesus and the Dis, uh, Disenfranchised by Howard Thurman. Now the first two books, I'm sure, familiar. The third one, maybe not so much. Well, Howard Thurman was a mentor of a young Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was one of his professors. And in that book, he really outlined what the gospel looks like to those who are oppressed and what those oppressed people need to do to experience liberation. Now, maybe you don't see the, the thread between these three books, but if we have one book by a college professor that talks about liberation and freedom, so does the U.S. Constitution, seemingly. Because it gives the inalienable rights that we are all supposed to experience and walk in as citizens of this country. Because, hey, they were once bound by the rule of Great Britain. And their whole goal of these United States was to provide freedom. But maybe you didn't know that just as Howard Thurman's book was about liberation and just as the U.S. Constitution was written, about liberation, so too, that Bible that you possess has a great deal to say to you and I about the power of being made free. Marvin, when he prayed, he said that the Lord was coming to set captives free. And, and Tierra was up here, she just kept saying freedom, freedom. Freedom, everybody's had freedom. Everybody's hands were raised. She kept saying chains were breaking. That's because God is liberational. He does not want you shackled. He doesn't want you bound. He doesn't want you caged in. He wants you to be liberated. The word liberation is the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression. What comes to your mind when you hear the word freedom? What type of thoughts do you foster when you hear liberation? For me, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that we get to come together in a church and worship. We get to come into this setting, sing about our master, Learn about him, grow in our relationship. Because I don't know if you know this, but around the world, there are several places where this does not get to happen without being persecuted. People can't go to church freely and serve and worship their master. So those seats that you sit in are a privilege of your freedom. But you don't understand that. That's why you pick and choose which days you're going to show up and which days you won't. Because you don't understand that you've been liberated to come into the house of the Lord and lift up his name. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe you think back to, as a child, the last day of school. The feeling that you would have knowing that that last bell rang and the summertime was here. As a former educator, let me let you know, the teachers be just as excited. Stop playing. We rest and go too. But there, there's that, that, that sense of, yes, I get to do me. Get these kids out of here. <laughs> Another thought that came to my mind was uh, several years ago, my wife and I, uh, we, we dressed our kids up and we went into the bank and we made our very last mortgage payment. And we got to experience financial freedom. And it's an amazing feeling to feel liberated, to feel as though can't nobody tell you nothing. I'm free. It's a powerful feeling that we all should feel. We all should experience. I think that on the surface level, we kind of get that the Lord Jesus came to set us free. I think, but it's, I, I think it kind of stays at a surface level because I'm seeing more and more people bound than ever before. I think 2020 robbed us of something. <laughs> I think we crossed a few lines in 2020 that we shouldn't have crossed. And it cost us our freedom. It cost us our liberation because we didn't have the proper perspective, the proper understanding of exactly what freedom looks like. We just gave some examples of freedom in the general sense, but in the kingdom of God, there, there's a specific way that liberation operates. There's a specific way that we are supposed to experience and walk in and thrive in our freedom. There are some parameters to our freedom. Are you still with me? So freedom in the kingdom looks different than freedom for everybody else. But I promise you that it's for your good. It's for our good that we experience freedom the kingdom way. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's do freedom the kingdom way. So how do, we, how do we experience freedom the kingdom way? Well, a great orator of this topic is none other than the Apostle Paul. About uh, not too long after our Savior left this earth, one of the main uh, uh, witnesses, one of the main teachers, one of the main church planters of the day was the Apostle Paul. And he wasn't planting churches in areas and in regions that were exactly receptive of what he was trying to share with them. He had to plant some churches in some dark places. And thank God that he did because that's how the message eventually got to you and I. But when you go into these regions and, and, and they are a pluralistic society, meaning that they serve multiple gods for different reasons, it's not the easiest conversation in the world 
to speak about liberation. Because in their mind, they have to bow to this God, this goddess, for this reason and for that reason, to make this type of sacrifice to atone for this thing. And if they weren't dealing with that, they were still dealing with the Old Testament Judaism and the book of the law. Even those Jews who submitted to the way and the teaching of Jesus Christ still had in their memory banks all that they were ever taught from the Old Testament law. So it wasn't an easy transition to experience this new liberation, this new freedom that Jesus was offering. Oftentimes, we can find ourselves in the same boat, stuck in old ways of thinking and all the ways that we've been taught and raised with. And it makes it difficult for us to experience liberation in Jesus. And so when Paul was writing to the Galatians in Galatians 5 and 1, he said it like this. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. He's telling us that's literally the reason Jesus came was so you could be free. He was so confused why they weren't walking in it. He spent Galatians 1, 2, 3, and 4 outlining all the ways that they were still bound by their own self-doing. And so that's why he opens up the fifth chapter saying, fam, Jesus did all that so that you wouldn't have to be bound in slavery. You wouldn't have to be imprisoned to your old ways. You wouldn't have to be a slave to the Old Testament law anymore because Jesus already did all the work necessary to fulfill it. You can be free. But we still struggle today. God's not just talking to us about physical freedom, but he's telling us directly to our face that we can experience a spiritual freedom in him. How do you know if you are currently walking in a spiritual freedom provided by Jesus Christ? Well, you can determine that by how you feel about his word, how you feel about his instructions, how you feel about his people. When you are liberated spiritually, Coming to church is something you get to do, not something you have to do. When you're liberated spiritually by the perfect work of Jesus Christ, serving his people is not something that you have to do. It's a privilege to serve in God's house. That's how you know you've been liberated. If it feels like a chore, you're still a slave. Spiritually. You're still stuck. Spiritually. Because when you experience Jesus unlocking that cell, you can't help but become overjoyed to do anything that he asks you to do. You can't help 
but feel good on the inside when Jesus wants to use little old you to do anything. So when that alarm goes off, you're like, oh, man, I got to go to church. Oh, man, I got to serve today. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the law. They went to church because they had to. They made those sacrifices because they had to, according to the law. And Jesus has come and fulfilled all that, and now you get to do things in the kingdom. But are you allowing yourself to experience that? Are you allowing yourself to realize that you are no longer a prisoner? When I was working through this message, I had this picture in my mind of a jail cell. Because I'm having way too many conversations with Christians that are bound. I picked this picture because of the perspective. The picture is taken from inside the cell. That's where way too many of us are sitting. But if you look close enough, you'll see that the door is open. Are you sitting inside of a jail cell that has an open door that Jesus already unlocked? Are you incarcerating yourself to your past? Why do we struggle with freedom? Because we don't realize that we're no longer bound. We still struggle with freedom because we have not experienced God the liberator. What are we stuck with? What do we struggle with when it comes to freedom? We struggle with freedom from sin. As Christians, we're supposed to strive to live a life free from sin. I know we don't talk about sin in church no more. But God still hates it. Even if you don't come back next week, God hates your sin. And so it's important that we allow God, the liberator, to liberate us from our sin. Maybe, maybe, maybe you struggle with freedom from worry and anxiety. Maybe you spend more of your time worried than you do in faith. And listen, this is not shade. This is liberation because the only way to get out of the cell is to realize you're in it sitting comfortably you don't realize that your sentence is over you're still stuck to the old you and you got comfortable in your jail cell you're still talking about that church that hurt you five ten years ago you still haven't recovered from your divorce. You're still letting that abortion be a master over you. You're just holding so tightly to your past that you don't see the door is open and you don't have to stay there anymore. You 
been set free. God is a liberator. Galatians 5 and 1 said it's the literal reason he came is for your freedom. You're so busy looking at your rap sheet that you don't have time to look at your freedom paper. You're still rehearsing the mistakes of your past. That's why you're sitting in a jail cell that has an open door. You're still unable to move in a positive financial direction because you're still looking at the financial mistakes that you made at your, in your past. That's why you're sitting in a jail cell that has an open door. You won't start the business because you've had some business failures in the past and you're sitting in a jail cell that has an open door. But you won't get up because you have not experienced God the liberator. In my past, I've been handcuffed before. Big mistake in my life. And I remember they said, assume the position. You put your hands behind your back and they put those handcuffs on you. Let me tell you something. If you've never been handcuffed, man, it ain't a good feeling. You may not even be in the cell yet, but just to have the, the handcuffs, it's a terrible feeling. To be walking around with your hands behind your back. Maybe they put you in the car. Maybe they put you in the cell. Maybe they put you in the holding area. But nonetheless, those handcuffs are uncomfortable. They weren't made for comfort. They were made for restraint. A lot of us, we're walking around with handcuffs on in the spirit realm. We've allowed sin to shackle us. We've allowed other people's abuse to restrain us. But then we came and we, we came into the understanding of Jesus and Jesus came with the key and took the handcuffs off, but we still are assuming the position. The handcuffs aren't even there. But we're so used to being in this position that we don't know anything else. That's why your marriage is stuck because you're still talking about things that happened years ago and nobody wants to get free. Your career's going nowhere because you're stuck in self-doubt. People are praising you at work, but you minimize yourself. And you're unable to progress because you're walking around with handcuffs that don't exist because you're so used to being in this position. You're used to not having nothing. You're used to having to rob Peter to pay Paul. It's become who you are and you don't know that you're not even in poverty no more. You're still sitting in the same jail cell and he opened the door. All you got to do is experience God the liberator. You're still telling everybody that you battle anxiety. That diagnosis is 15 years old. Maybe the door is open and all you need to do is get up out of that cell and walk out into your freedom. 
God is a liberator, but he ain't going to force you out that jail cell. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The second part of that is the most dangerous part. though, Because even if you, you have the courage and the understanding and the knowledge to get up and to walk out that door, the second part of the verse says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Again, that means that too many times we walk out the cell, life hits us and we go right back to the cell because the door is still open. You know, I might as well just go, I might as well just. How do you get comfortable in jail? Ask yourself that. Why are you so comfortable incarcerated? Why is that more comfortable than being free? Do you know why there's such a big problem with recidivism, which is the reoccurrence of someone being incarcerated over and over again? It's because we don't know how to handle what's on the other side of that jail cell. There may not be the same level of opportunities or there may not be the same open pathways that were there before. And then they have to figure out how do I maneuver through this life with this mark on my back? With this on my record, nobody's hiring. So it becomes a situation where they go back to doing what they were doing that got them locked up in the first place. The same thing happens in the spiritual realm. God sets us free. We stop doing what we was doing for a little bit, but then it gets hard. The tempter comes and that temptation is just right just how you like it. And it's easier to go back into your jail cell because you give the devil too much credit. You give the devil too much power and authority that he don't have. You know, I've heard often in church, they say that, that the devil, uh, 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 his whole point, the reason that he's messing with you is because he knows your future. <laughs> That's bad theology. First of all, the devil ain't a prophet. The devil is not omniscient. <laughs> Hello. God is omniscient. What the devil does know is when he no longer has power over you. He is aware when Jesus steps in and sets you free. And then he makes it his business to keep trying to make you think that he still has power over you. His whole job becomes to make you think that you're still the same person that you once were, even though he set you free. And because you're not rooted in the word of God, because you're not around God's people, because you're not in God's house, his little remarks start to sound like truth when they're actually lies. You're actually not that person anymore. You actually are free. You actually are no longer the same. You actually are forgiven. You actually are a new creation. But you won't know that if the devil is putting more words in you than the word of God. 
That's why you think that there's no power in the Bible and it's just a thing that you need to do in a religious mindset. No, it's, it gives you life. It's beneficial. It's not some religious, old school, out of date practice. It's for your good that you know what the word of God says so that you can distinguish the truth from a lie. So you can start to see yourself the way that God sees you. So how do we show up to this? How do we take that step from that jail cell into our liberation? Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's why we welcome him in. That's why we invite him in. That's why we pray to him. That's why we ask for his help. Because wherever he is, my freedom is there also. How much are you involving him in what you do? How much are you involving him in your choices? How much are you involving him in your conversations? How much are you involving him in your goals? How much are you involving the spirit of the Lord into your life? You know the truth. But what you need to remember from this point on is if you're looking to walk in the freedom that he has provided for you, you need to stay close to him. Because where he is, that's also where your freedom is located as well. The reason you start to feel the struggle more palatable than you felt it in times past is because there's distance. Because if the freedom is in him, then the slavery is in the distance. How close are you to the spirit of God? How often are you communing with him? How often are you developing a relationship with Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is God. And not only is he God, he's made himself available to you. You can call him at any moment. You can talk to him at any moment. You can welcome him at any moment. And you should do it more often because it's tied, tethered to your freedom. It helps you to walk in your healing. It's not enough to just get prayer and go on. You need him to go with you. Because we can pray the shackles off you. We have no problem with that. But now you got to walk that freedom out and we not going to your house with you. But he can and he will. If you invite him, you still talking about what you scared of. Holy Spirit been speaking to you, showing you you, the future you, and you've been running like you same boat. And you wonder why you can't experience more. I just want more of him. Well, it starts with obedience. <laughs> it starts with saying, yes, Lord. Send me. I'll go. Freedom is tricky, though. Because in our mind, we picture what freedom should look like. We have an idea about what we'll do or what life will be on the other side of that jail cell. 
And so the, the, the first picture that comes into a lot of people's minds is, is living with no boundaries. That's what freedom is. I've got no boundaries. I've got no restrictions. That's what freedom is. I ain't got to follow all these rules. I ain't got to follow all these regulations. I can just do me. But sometimes doing you, you do things to your own detriment. Okay, okay, let me break it down. Okay. Is there any vegetarians in the, in the room? Any vegetarians? Sometimes vegetarians? Okay, I got a couple. I'm not. I really like meat. I'm a bit of a carnivore. I would be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and so years ago, um, my wife and I, um, somebody told us about this dope restaurant called Fogo de Chão. Y'all know about Lil Fogo? If you're from the South Side, you say Fogo de Chão. No, it's Fogo, it's Fogo de Chão. Okay, you got to pronunciate it correctly. Uh, for those of you who have never been there, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. And it's got all kind of meats. And it's expensive, bro. So we went there the first time because somebody put me on. And they said, listen, man, you're you going to have this, this card. One side is green and the other side is red. If you leave it on green, they're going to keep coming to your table with all these meats. But when you turn it red, they're not going to come. So I was like, man, that sounds like a party to me. <laughs> so we get there first time and we sit down and the woman of God heads to the salad bar. I'm like, woman of God, I don't know if you saw how much we paid, but ain't no salad happening today. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> We're gonna get our money's worth. So we both, Put our cards to green, okay? That salad bar look nice. It can stay over there. Where's the meat? And so they came. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. And they came, and it was amazing. Like I mean, I mean, it was good, good, huh? Like Smokey Norfolk said, mm, good. And it kept coming, it kept coming, and we kept eating, and we kept eating. We was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going red. We pay too much money. We're going to green this thing out. Bring me all the meat. And so we kept eating and kept eating and kept eating. And then we couldn't eat no more. Y'all, we went too far. Because we allowed ourselves to eat with no restriction and no boundaries. And we saw the pleasure of all these delectable meats from every direction. I mean, them little waiters was coming from everywhere. I just kept eating. But what happened, because I had no boundaries, I overdid it. And we had about a 45-minute drive home. Because it was downtown, downtown Chicago. And I let myself go so far because I had no boundaries for myself. I literally had to drive home slumped over. 
My stomach was hurting so bad. Ask your co-pastor. This is a true story. I was leaning to the left, driving for 45 minutes. Oh, oh, Lord. If you just let me get home, I won't leave it on green that long no more. Because we think freedom is not having a boundary for ourselves. But when we have no boundaries, we are more prone to injure ourselves because we had no boundaries. Some of you have no boundaries and you've been injuring yourself for right now. You're slumped over trying to drive through life. Your stomach is so full of foolishness that you're the one that ended up hurt because boundaries aren't always a bad thing. But maybe this isn't you. Maybe you're not the one that lives with no boundaries. Maybe you're the type that's going to live with our own boundaries. That's what we say. I'm going to craft and create my own boundaries for my life. I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of that. You know, I ain't going to be too reckless. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I ain't, I ain't religious. That's what y'all call a rule, religion. No, you just a little, you just a little hellish still. You think everything that's in the, well, that's religion. So you decide what your boundaries are gonna be. That's why y'all on social media arguing over Beyonce tickets. Yeah, I've seen y'all. And this ain't about whether or not you should go to a concert. What it is is, why do you get to decide what the boundaries are? Can I, real quick, real quick. Do y'all know how crazy we look arguing with each other over Beyonce tickets? The devil's sitting back in your pocket like, look at these dummies. I don't care what, con I don't care what concert you go to. But what I am concerned is how you're going about your decision-making process. Because sometimes we take freedom too far. <laughs> we think that God the liberator means I get to do whatever the heck I want to do. Nah, fam. He got a whole book of stuff that you shouldn't do. Like some stuff is just cut and dry. And now there is some things that are kind of left ambiguous, but there's a, there's a process even for that. And so it's also dangerous to try to create your own boundaries because you're not very good at it. Think about all the diets you've started. Come on, come here, come here, come here. Hmm. 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 Think about all the times you said that you was gonna read your Bible every day. <laughs> Remember when you said this time I'm gonna be abstinent. Let me let me. You created your own boundaries. Well, we just gonna Netflix it. Okay. You see how quiet they got, baby? Sorry. 
That's what happens when we live with our own boundaries, the ones that we create. We're not good at creating boundaries. <laughs> the best solution for us is living within God's boundaries. Because although he has made us free, he's also given us boundaries in our freedom. That's why the liberation and kingdom looks different than the liberation that takes place outside the kingdom. Because it's a freedom that has a focus. It's a freedom that has boundaries to it. Let me try to make it a little plainer. Think about driving on an expressway. I remember one time I was driving from Texas to Chicago because I had a really fine girlfriend in college in Chicago. And I was in Texas in the Army. So I was driving. And I was, it was a two-lane highway that way, two-lane highway that way. And there was this grassy knoll in between us. So I'm driving, and it's dark, it's late, it's nighttime. I'm chilling, I'm driving. And I see a car going in the other direction, driving. I'm all the way on the right on my side, they all the way on the right on their side. Then all of a sudden, I'm noticed that his headlights are no longer over there in the lane that he was in. He moved over to another lane. I was like, oh, okay. Then he moved a little bit further over, the next thing I know, he's in the little grassy nowhere. I'm like, this dude tripping. And the next thing I know, he over on my side of the expressway. Coming this way, I'm going this way. And we just narrowly miss each other. The Holy Spirit grabbed the steering wheel. I didn't do it. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is if there was a boundary there, it could have prevented the accident that happened. It didn't hit me, it hit another car. Because boundaries can save lives. <laughs> boundaries aren't just good for you, but they're good for everybody on the journey. The reason God set up boundaries for you is not just so you can stay safe, but so the people connected to you can stay safe as well. Ah. In other words, the reason that you need to be careful with how you move and proceed through life is because your story is directly connected to the story of other people as well. And if you live your life reckless in any kind of way, you can not only crash and injure yourself, but you can crash and injure people that are around you. That's why boundaries are not a bad thing in the kingdom of God. Author Lisa Turquoise says it like this, boundaries are God's loving protection for our souls. They're not there to harm you. They're there to keep you. Think about that highway again. If you was just swerving all over the place, you would never get to the destination. You would be wasting time and energy going the wrong way. The boundaries are not there just to keep you safe, but he's trying to keep you on track because he didn't come here, shed his blood to free you to live any type of way, to do any type of thing. He has a plan for you. 
He has a plan for your singleness. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your vocation. He has a plan for your business. He has a plan for your ministry. And it does not just involve you. Freedom in the kingdom is freedom underneath lordship. I know that's a fancy word. But what you have to understand is that when you walk out of the jail cell, you're no longer under the authority of Satan, but you're also not under the authority of yourself either. You have a Lord. He didn't just save you. He didn't just liberate you, but he is also now your Lord. When you give your life to him, you are entrusting your life to his care and you are saying, I want to follow after you because what you have for me is better than what the enemy has for me. And so you don't get to just do what you want to do. First Corinthians 6 and 12 says, you say, I have the right to do anything, which is true. But not everything is beneficial. Hello, that's in your Bible. I have a right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Yes, you have rights. You have liberty. That's why he liberated you. But everything that you could do, you shouldn't do. Because some things, although you could do it, will hurt you. And that's different for different folk. As I said, there are some things that are ambiguous in the scripture. And your conviction about something isn't my conviction about something. Do you remember Peter? He was hanging with the Gentiles. That's you and me. He was eating a pulled pork sandwich when nobody was looking. He had no problem with the extra bacon. But as soon as the other Jews came around, he's, oh, look at these heathens over here with this pork. And Paul checked them on it. And then God gave him a dream about it. Because although it may not be a conviction for you, if what you're doing could hinder or harm somebody else's journey, you say, yo, chill with that. And so how do we figure out what freedom looks like for us? I think there's a four-question filter you need to go through. Four-question filter. And you need to ask these four questions. Number one, is it pleasing God? Is it pleasing to God? Remember now, you said you're, you're, you're signing up for the kingdom. You're signing up for kingdom liberation. So you need to converse with the Lord about these decisions. Is what I'm about to do going to please God? John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if, 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 you remain faithful to my teachings. That's the only way you're a disciple. You don't get to dab in and out. You don't get to keep some. He said, if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth is what will set you free. So again, the boundary of knowing him, growing in your faith, growing in your wisdom, growing in your knowledge of him is not to harm you. It's to expose you to a truth 
that will help you to maintain your freedom. So is it pleasing God? Number two, is it upholding my convictions? Is it upholding my convictions? Romans 14 and 23 says, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. If you take no consideration, for you are not following your convictions if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So stop letting people pressure you into doing things that you know you are convicted against. Let me say it this way. Stop trying to fit in. Way too many of us are trying to fit in. Well, Jesus hang with the sinners. No, 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 no. The sinners hung with Jesus. There's a difference. They changed. He didn't. So stop trying to fit in. Talking about you trying to be light and dark places. No, you dark. Is it upholding your convictions? When you come into this liberation power of Jesus, you are given conviction about certain things. You know that you shouldn't be on that. So then don't try to become on that all for the sake of cultural relevancy. So after you ask yourself the question, is it pleasing God? Is it upholding my convictions? Question number three is, is it representing God's love? You don't get to be mean. Talking about you prophetic. No. No. You're just mean. And it's not cute. It's not holy. It's very, very, very ugly. So when you're going through the process, you're, you're faced with this dilemma. Should I do this? Should I not do this? The third question is, is it representing God's love? First Corinthians 9 and 19 says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So sometimes we do things with the sole purpose of being a good witness of God's love. It ain't even really about me. I may not even like doing this. It may not even be my thing necessarily, but this thing that I'm doing is going to bring people to Christ. This thing is going to help show people the love of Christ. Then I should probably do that. So after you ask question number one, is it pleasing to God? And question number two, is it upholding my convictions? And question number three, is it representing God's love? The fourth question is a tricky one. It says, is it empowering or evicting holiness? Which one is it? Is this thing that I'm trying to figure out, this decision that I'm trying to make, is it going to cause holiness to be empowered in my life? Or is it going to evict it out of my life? Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you have been called to live in freedom. Yes, you have, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. That's why you got to read your Bible. Instead, use your freedom 
to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in one in this one command love your neighbor as yourself so this thing that you're trying to figure out is it causing you to look more like him or less like him ask yourself this real quick as i close i'm finished is that proverbial line that we like to walk up to quite often. And if we're progressive, we like to push the envelope as far as we can push it before we cross over out of holiness. But I propose to each and every one of you, maybe we should spend more energy trying to get as far away from the line as possible. Why is it in your heart that you want to get as close to this line as possible? Is it because you have a misunderstanding of freedom? Is it because you don't understand that God is a liberator, but he's a liberator with limitations? He wants you free, but he also wants you whole. He wants you free, but he also wants you focused. He wants you free, but he also wants your life to be fulfilled. And so he has parameters. The question is, why or why not are you okay with God's parameters for your freedom? Hmm? I don't know if you caught it, but when I said, is it pleasing to God? Is it upholding my conviction? Is it representing God's love? Is it evicting or is it empowering holiness? It's an acronym for pure. Are you pursuing pureness in your freedom? Is your freedom, the one that you're living in, the one that you're walking through, is it pure? Do you have a desire to be free, but to also be pure? Last scripture I'm going to give you. Kiana, could you grab a microphone and sing? Up here, please. John 8, 34 through 36. We're talking about liberation. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So although this kingdom liberation has limitations, it's the real kind of freedom. And that scripture said that when you, when you cross over from slave to son, it becomes a permanent type of freedom that you can walk in and experience. When you elect that you're gonna go on this journey with God, although free, you're gonna keep it within the boundaries that he has set for you, whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. I told you earlier about the three books that Martin Luther King had with him at all times. The Bible, the US Constitution, and Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman, 
was the most impactful mentor to most of the heroes of the civil rights movement. The way he became a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. was based on the relationship that he had with Martin Luther King Sr., who was affectionately known as Daddy King, because Daddy King was an activist too. He was a powerful preacher too. He was a well-connected person too. And so Howard Thurman had his hand and his pulse on the entire civil rights movement. It's where Martin Luther King got most of his ideology about nonviolent resistance. He became his mentor in college because Howard Thurman was his, one of his college professors, but that almost didn't happen because where Howard Thurman grew up, the education system for African-Americans cut off at the seventh grade. There was no eighth grade and therefore they did that so they wouldn't have to build any high schools for African-American kids to attend. And so he completed seventh grade, but his parents had a connection that allowed him to take a test to prove that he was worthy to go on to the eighth grade and he passed it. And so because he passed it, he opened the doors for an eighth grade to be created in that area, in that region. They still hadn't built a high school yet. And so he had to go through a process to attend a high school in another area. And his parents had to literally send him off to somewhere else if he was going to be able to attend high school. And so the day came that he was supposed to get on the train, take the train to his new home with an a, a aunt and an uncle. And he was going to attend high school there. And all he had was $8 and an old trunk. And the old trunk didn't have a handle on it, so he had to push it. And he got to the train station, and they gave him a hard time. Since the trunk didn't have a handle on it, they had a rule that the only way you could send a suitcase or a trunk or anything like that, it had to be a tag on the handle with your name on it. So they used that loophole to say, you can't go. He was crushed. He'd been working his whole life. He loved to learn. He loved education. And so he was sitting there on the stairs crying. And then another employee on the train came out because the first one he talked to was Caucasian. And all of a sudden, an African-American came out and said, boy, why are you crying? And then he, with tears in his eyes, he told the story. And so he said, boy, get the trunk. Come on. Because the only way that he could get the trunk to the destination was he had to mail it because they wouldn't let it on the train. And so the employee walked him over to the post office, which wasn't too far away. They said, how much to send this trunk? And so they told him the price. So the, the man pulled out the money, paid for his trunk to be mailed. And then he was able to get on the train and go to his destination. And Howard Thurman said in his 
autobiography, he said he looked up and he never saw the man again. Howard had to confront that place where he was about to give up on the vision that God had for his young self until somebody stepped in to help him overcome that obstacle. And because he was able to overcome that obstacle, he went on to become Dr. Howard Thurman. He went on to become the mentor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who went on to fight for our freedoms that we sit in today. It's one of the reasons we even have a Black History Month. I say all that to say, what obstacle has you about to give up that will inhibit you from walking in the totality of the destiny that you have created by God? Think about if Howard would have just given up and said, well, it's not meant to be. This Jim Crow stuff is too much. I'm, I'm just going to go and do what everybody else does. I tried. I gave him my best shot. But somebody stepped in for him. Somebody stepped in for you, too. His name is Jesus. And I know you may be down, but you're not out. I know you may question, do you have what it takes, but you have a liberator that's standing by, that's waiting on you to pick your head up and to follow him. And he has already paid the price for your freedom. And the big point of that story is this. He had to walk in his destiny, not just for his sake alone, but you're sitting inside of his yes right now. This entire country is sitting inside of his yes. Who's waiting to experience your yes? Who's waiting for you to allow God to liberate them totally? What God told me when I was sitting right there, he said, while she sings, your anxiety is going to break. While she sings, your fears are going to diminish because whom the sun sets free is truly free. Before we close, before we dismiss, if you need prayer, the altar will remain open. Our team will be here to pray with you. But for some, the Lord has spoken to your heart and told you that All Nations of War is your church. If you haven't committed yet, we want to make it easy for you to do so. You can scan that QR code on the screen. You can go to allnationsaurora.com slash join. Or you can go out to the start here table, fill out a card, and put on there that you want to make this church your home. We would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastors. If the Lord has told you this is home, welcome home. Let's pray our way out. Father, we thank you that you came and spoke directly to our hearts, directly to our situations, directly to our souls today. We honor you. We honor your word and your instruction. It's our desire to walk in the liberation that you've given us. Help us as we endeavor to do so, to do it by the power of your spirit. Help us to surrender and submit 
to this liberation and let our life become a living sacrifice for your kingdom. We want what you want for us. And we surrender all to you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.